welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host, Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Kat. Hey, everyone. How are you? Well, everybody has to be good because it's happy days. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, It'll be an interesting episode. Yeah. So not only happy days, uh, but 50 years since Mm. Happy Days premiered. Wow. 50 years. Hmm. Yeah, I would have been nine years old. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember if I watched, like, the first few episodes. I mean, I've probably seen them, but I don't know if I watched them, like, when it first came out. That's the same with me because, uh, you know, we had an antenna and we got two channels. So, two networks that came from Knoxville, Tennessee. I think there was like a PBS or, you know, educational programming station, but, you know, that wasn't really tuned in all that much. (laughs) Did they play the Star Spangled Banner at midnight? Uh, Yes, because sometimes I would, you know, when I was supposed to be sleeping or whatever, I would hear that or wake up hearing because I fell asleep, you know, with the TV on. Yeah. Yeah, that used to be a thing. I don't think it is anymore. No, everything's 24 hours. So, you know, uh, I remember like some channels, like first they would play the Star Spangled Banner. They'd go off the air and it would just be static until the next morning. But then they would, I guess, fill in with like infomercials after that. Well, I mean, it is amazing to think that was just 50 years ago and even less than that, really, that, um, you know, when the TV was like you're describing. Uh, so I guess we've come a long way. and But, you know, I, I watch less TV now than I did then. Yeah, me too. I, I mean, I think I've said this before. I moved to Pennsylvania what, a year ago, a year and a month ago or something? Yeah. And I still haven't hooked the TVs up. Well, I find myself, like you were saying about, you know, Happy Days, and if you watched it at that time, you know, I can't be sure if that was the time I watched it either. Most of the things that I've watched in the recent years have been uh, really shows like Sopranos, you know, I, I did not watch that while it was like the really yeah. hot thing to watch. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I've just like caught up on a lot of things in that way. So, and still enjoy watching Happy Days and, you know, Gilligan's Island. <laughs> from from that time, All in the Family. I mean, there's just really a lot of good shows that were made. Yeah. In our youth, I guess you could say. Yeah. But 50 years. Well, 50 is a big number for us, too. 
Yeah. Because we have made it to 50,000 downloads, which is. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, you know how they say time speeds up, like the older you get. And like, it seems like with the podcast, popularity is speeding up. So. Yeah, it uh, it's definitely going pretty good. We had a pretty busy month last month, and yeah, so we're just across fifty fifty thousand, and uh, you know, she's doesn't look like there's any slowing down. So, well, certainly not with this episode because everyone is so excited for Ralph Mouth. I mean. Who would think you'd get to talk to Ralph Mouth, you know, like if we could go back to 50 years ago, if we did in fact watch it at that time, I'm sure that it never crossed our mind that we would be. Well, first of all, I never heard of a podcast at that time. So, you know, I would not have been thinking of it, but even of just interviewing, it's just really amazing to get to talk to people that you grew up watching yeah yeah this is certainly one of those situations i'm trying to think of who else it was that we talked to but there there have been a few that like uh we've you know we've seen on tv you know for years like loretta slewitt she was another yes. one yeah. and you know the amazing Really, well, there's so many amazing things about her, but one in particular, like, you know, I said is her voice is so distinct, you know, some people have like, yeah, they have their voice that you can identify, but it's not the same as like, when you hear her, it's, you know, you definitely are thinking like hot lips, Houlihan, that's but yet she's, you know, talking about her animals and her artwork and, you know, all of these topics. But your mind is hearing that voice and associating it. But you're also knowing that you're having a conversation, you know, about just random yeah. other topics yeah. with the actress. So that's kind of surreal to me. We'll have to try and get her back someday. Yes. Yes, we will. Because she's. You know, she probably got like another two books out or something of art. She, you know, she's really. Yeah. And quite... three more dogs. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I. Did you like Ralph? Was he like one of your favorites? Yeah. I mean, he was okay. They were all good. I mean, you know, they're, they were all great actors and actresses. Yeah. In their own right. I mean. It'd be interesting to see if if Donnie Most is like the character, you know? Yeah, because, you know, he he was kind of the, like, funny, goofy, telling jokes, you know, like, keeping a laughing one. He wanted Um, to be a comedian on the show. Yeah. So, a lot of times... So, I don't know, of, of interviews we've done in different things i've read that a lot of times comedians are you know very different from that when they're off stage so yeah be very curious to see if he is you know if he is ralph mouth like i guess you could say yeah well Uh, he was cute you know like obviously with the red hair and 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 all that and just um you know I, i think people are 
naturally attracted to people that are funny and you know entertaining so hmm. he had that going for him yeah yeah do you remember any of like your favorite episodes of happy date well yeah i like i mean a lot in the diner you know there were always like a lot of funny ones um that took place in the diner and of course you know with whatever with fonzie that was going on right but I remember one, too, where they went on a field trip and they were supposed to be in the motel room and they sneaked out and like all of these things happened. And that, so that one was a pretty funny episode, too. They mm. were they were a bit older, you know, it's like like the I guess the the series went on for like, what, nine, ten years. Something. Nine years. Yeah. It had a long run. So. It was, it did not, from my memory, it doesn't seem like it was one of the earlier ones, but. I think we had, a, if I remember correctly, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think we had an episode where I mentioned that the older brother on Happy Days, he like went upstairs and never came down on one of the episodes and you never heard about yeah. him again. <laughs> Was his name Chuck or <clears throat> something? Yeah, something like that. I don't remember what it was exactly. Yeah. And I don't know. If, I don't think it was ever explained like. No, they never mentioned it again. So. <laughs> kind of weird. but. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it wasn't Ralph, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's. I would say, too, one of the things, I love the theme song. So music was an important part of the show, too, and the jukebox. You know, that was always, like, Fonzie just hit it and, you know, it would play, whatever. But, you know, Donnie Most is musical, and he has an album release that he's going to be talking to us about. So, you know, I'll be very curious to see, like, did his love for music come from happy days or, you know, did he just always grow up loving music? You know, I'd like to find out about that connection too. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. You know, I know they had the band on the show, but I didn't realize he was, you know, into it outside of the show. Yeah. Well, you know, they seem like a pretty close knit group from watching uh, like a lot of, you know, TV sitcoms, like, the actors, <laughs> yeah. you know, they don't get along, and they, like, the shows end up breaking up because somebody leaves or, right. you know, whatever. But that group, you know, I'll be curious to see if it's still true, but it definitely looks like at that time that they did all get along really well. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they still get along. Yeah, it's, I don't know, I'm just really excited about this episode, and I hope that for the listeners that, you know, maybe they didn't watch it at the time it was happening, but I'm sure, you know, that most people have watched Happy Days at some point in their life, in the reruns or in the original. I'm guessing that's probably true. I mean, it's a pretty yeah. iconic show, so. It's like, hey, you know, <laughs> like. That you, did you have that T-shirt? You know, that was like a really popular T-shirt with him standing there. Uh, if I did, I don't remember it. Well, you know, he had his thumbs up, of course. Yeah. 
remember when he you know jumped over with like on the motorcycle you remember that, that yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so many so many i think happy days was a good title for this show yeah um, sure because it definitely you know it dealt with like kind of teenage you know issues and so forth but in a happy you know happy family way and Everybody was kind of loving and it just, it was one of those. They took the pawns in, you know, Yeah. just everything was, was happy, happier times 50 years ago. So do you remember if happy days came first or the movie American graffiti came first? <laughs> you know, I, so if I had to guess, I would, I would choose happy days, to, but I don't know if I, now that I think about it, it may be just the opposite. No, I, I don't think really. it is. I think it. I think Happy Days came about because of the popularity of the movie. Interesting. I could be but, wrong. Though, so, uh, we we need to we need to research that. That'd be a great poll question to put on the. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, we're down to the wire, but we can always sneak one in there. That's right. All right. Well, let's go talk to Donnie Most and find out, you know, find out about what he's been up to. Yeah, let's go get happy. <laughs> okay. Well, Donnie Most, I want to welcome you to Backstory Sessions. I am so excited to have you as a guest today. Oh, thank you. Nice to, nice to be with you. And uh, and then get to know you a little too. Yes. Well, you know, maybe I should have said I am so happy to have you as a guest today because <laughs> obviously, you know, the the first thing that comes to my mind is happy days. And uh, so I don't know. Fifty years does it does it seem like fifty years has passed? Oh my gosh! Uh, you know, in in some ways. It feels like no, it's impossible. You know, it cannot have been. It cannot be fifty years. Right. It just, it just seems that I, I just can't fathom that. But then on on other occasions, there are times when I look back and I go, "Wow, that was you know like another lifetime." So it's weird. You know, sometimes it feels like it was much much sooner and and more recent, and other times it. It um it feels very far, very far away. I I can't explain that. I, I don't know why I've experienced that sort of um such a you know a dichotomy in terms of the times frame. But uh, you know I I stay in touch with with the guys. You know Anson and I were best friends and talk all the time. And and Ron and Henry we stay in touch. You know it's not. It's a little bit more like by email and some phone calls once in a while, but but just keeping that contact, you know, uh, it's always been there, and uh, and so so to some degree that, that holds the memory of it, and 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 it doesn't. That's when it doesn't feel like it's that long at all. Did you guys know each other before the show? No, not at all. I grew up in New York, in Brooklyn, and I didn't go out to California till it was it was a little bit oh, yeah. The, the summer I turned twenty, I I went out to Los Angeles, and 
Happy Days came around and we shot the pilot in November. Anson and Ron had been, they both grew up in uh, similar to uh, Burbank in Burbank, California. And they, they had met about a year and a half earlier. They did the original pilot of Happy Days. It had a different name. It was about a year and a half before the one we did. And it didn't sell. But, but the two of them had, had, had worked together on that. So they knew each other, but I didn't know, I didn't know them. And Henry, coincidentally, he grew up in New York too, but in Manhattan in the Upper West Side. So I didn't know him. I, as I mentioned, in Brooklyn, but, but his, his parents had a summer house in a town called Lake Mayapak. And my grandparents had a summer house in Lake Mohegan, which was like 15 minutes away, but we never knew each other. <laughs> and even though we never knew each other from that, so that was kind of coincidental. But yeah, we all met, you know, for the pilot of the show and then, and became great friends after that. So was it an, an instant friendship? Like, did you just click from the beginning? Yeah, pretty, pretty much. I, I'd say so. Uh, you know, it took a, it took a little while for it to really mature and grow. Um, it took a little bit of time, but that's natural. But, but there was a, there were, it was a very good feeling right from the beginning. I remember, you know, during the pilot, we were shooting that back then, and for the first two seasons, we shot the show as a one-camera show, which shot like meaning like a movie. You do scenes out of order, and and you just shoot a scene at a time, as opposed to in the third season, we switched over to a format where we shot in front of an audience with three cameras. But when we did the pilot, it was one camera, and I remember. You know, I was I was very excited to be to be working with all this great cast and and you know I I had known of Tom Bosley from films and his reputation on Broadway, so I was excited and and of course Ron was a star since you know since I was about five or six, right. so and then when I was doing pilot, I was just I was really intrigued with um, seeing how how things were coming together and and I'd be done with my scenes and and I could have gone home, but I didn't want to go anywhere. I just wanted to watch everybody and 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 I saw Henry do something really great in in the pilot in one scene and I was watching another scene with Ron and Anson and and then with the family his family and I remember uh, calling my parents back in Brooklyn and saying you know, I think this show has, uh, I think there's something really good here. You know, I think this could be successful. And and I, I just had a good feeling about everyone as people and, uh, and the talent that they had. What was it like playing Ralph Mouth? I, I, you know, would you say that he is a character like you or uh, kind of a stretch for you? Oh, it was definitely a stretch. For me, that's what I love, you know, and I still do about acting is I love playing all different kinds of characters. That's that's the joy and challenge for me that I love. And I I was not like Ralph. You know, when I was in high school, 
I was much closer to, say, Richie Cunningham, you know, to Ron's character. So I was pretty, you know, I was pretty shy and quiet and, you know, not with my really good friends. I, I, I wasn't necessarily, but, you know, I was never the comedian. I was never the jokester. I was, uh, you know, I knew people like that and I would be their audience, but I was, you know, never like that in terms of that, that part of Ralph's character, which was a big part of it. But I, you know, like I said, I knew people like that and I was able to draw upon on that. And, and, and our director, Jerry Paris, who, who was kind of like that. Jerry was a fantastic director and, and but he was a funny guy and he loved to crack everybody up. And so I would draw upon Gary, uh, upon Jerry, um, and some of the kid, you know, some of the guys I knew in high school. As a matter of fact, Jerry, you know, I had a famous patchwork on the show, which was, I still got it. I still got it. And, and I kind of stole that from Jerry. <laughs> it, it was not in the script, but it was, a, but Jerry used to, you know, when he cracked everybody up, he would say that. He would say that line. And, and so one day in one of the episodes, we're shooting a scene in, in Arnold's and, and Ralph comes in and, and then he tells a joke to, you know, Richie and Posse or something. And so I said to, this was in front of an audience. So I said before, I said, Ron, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to say the line here that's in the script. I wanted to warn him. So he'd be, I didn't want to throw him too much. So I said, just say, say something different. So just be ready. You know, I didn't tell anybody. And then I tell the joke and they crack up. And then I, I say my line. I say, Jerry's line is still got it. <laughs> and they all were cracking up. Jerry loved it. Hmm. And the audience really loved it because, and they didn't know the story, but they, you know, it was funny. So from, from that point forward, the writers started, you know, putting it in more and more and they put it in all different situations so so yeah so i answered to your original question i was i was very different than than i mean there's certain aspects of my personality that would come through in ralph but but the main main central part is his character i was not like at all well it's interesting that backstory because obviously you had a knack for knowing what might be, you know, a great line or a funny line to add that in there. And then to have the writers, you know, continue it, that must be a great feeling. Yeah, that, that was, you know, at the time, you know, I look back at it now and I go, wow, look at that. Because then that that line, that phrase became, you know, part of the lexicon in our in our in our culture, because I remember it was it was years later where because I had the show had been on for su- such a long you know long amount of time in reruns, and and then you know I saw somebody I was watching an interview on on TV and I can't remember who it was somebody well known, and then they they said after a joke they they said you know I forgot and I was like oh my god and then I started hearing it more and more you know more and more out there in the world and. On t- people on TV, so that was pretty wild feeling to to you know that sort of created this you know phrase that I mean Jerry created it, but I shepherded it in hmm. <laughs> ushering worlds. It's kind of it's kind of surreal. Well, what an amazing part of the backstory! I had no idea of that. 
So I read that music was your love, your first love. So My first first love, yeah, because I love acting too, but but music came first, yes. So you know, when did you start singing? Was that just like music always in your house, or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was in the house. My 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 was a teenager and young adult during the swing era, so she had some of. The albums of some of those great big bands and 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 some of the singers and and then so I heard that a you know probably not it wasn't like not all the time but I certainly was exposed to it and then as, when I was nine years old I saw a movie the Jolson story which was a biopic about the great Al Jolson who was considered the world's greatest entertainer but you know back in those days and. And he was the star in the first talking movie, the jazz singer. And but the the movie about him, where Larry Parks played all Jules, and uh, it was brilliant. It, it just it captured me in a way. Like I said, I was nine years old, and and I was mesmerized by that, the story, the talent of Jolson because it was his voice that was being used, and and Larry Parks would try to sort of capture the. The way the style of Jolson and the way he would deliver a song, and I, I, I was so taken with it that it was on. It was on. It was something called Million Dollar Movie back then, on one of the local channels in New York, where they picked a movie for the entire week, and they would show it every night during the week twice, and then four times on Saturday and four times on Sunday. Wow. And I was, I was so caught up with the film that. I watched it, I think, almost every one of those viewings that week. <laughs> so I, so I, then I started, you know, getting Jolson records and, and singing and, and singing along. And then, but then I started also through that, became very knowledgeable by listening to a radio show every night that was hosted by William B. Williams and, and WNEW in New York. And he would play all the great. You know, the great American songbook, the, the standards and, and the jazz standards and, and uh, all the great artists. So I would listen to that every night before going to bed. And, and so I, I grew to have a, a, a real passion for that music. And to the point where then uh, when I was 13, I convinced my parents that, uh, you know, and they, that I needed, I had to sort of pursue this. And they found a, a school for me in Manhattan that I go to on Saturdays for singing, dancing, and acting. And then through that, I got picked to be part of a nightclub review the summer I turned 15. And it was, it was, we performed in hotels, the nightclubs of the hotels in the Catskill Mountains, which was a resort area upstate New York. So that summer I was singing in this nightclub back when I was 15. So like I said, that came first. But yeah. then, but then I put that aside. It was strangely enough that after that summer, and really got as I got a little bit older, I started getting caught up in a big way with a lot of the great films that were being made in the late '60s, and and became a huge film buff and and influenced by a lot of the great actors of that era, whether it be Dustin Hoffman and Paul Newman. And, and uh, uh, so a bunch of others, but if, but then it was Jack Nicholson that 
that really got me. I saw him in five easy pieces, and I became a huge Nicholson fan. And then, then I, you know, really switched my focus towards acting, and I went to a, another school that was a, you know, much more serious study of of the craft of acting, and wasn't about music and all that. And uh, so that, that's how it's kind of shifted. Interesting. And then I guess Happy Days was kind of like a great uh, mix of both of those. You know, at least it was acting with some music as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did have music. Um, Hanson who played, you know, Patsy, who had done musical theater, he had approached Gary Marshall, our, our creator and set producer. He approached him in the first season and convinced Gary it'd be a good idea we had a band, you know, we could play in Arnold's and all that. And Gary liked the idea. Gary was a former drummer and he liked the idea. And so, so since Anson got to him first and Anson said, you know, I sang. And so Gary kind of thought he was established. He established him as the singer and, and he, he didn't want to mess with that. And then all of a sudden have two singers and, and, and he, so, you know, I would get to do, background singing i get to do every once in a while they gave me a, a song so that was cool but because a lot of people say to me how come you didn't sing more on happy days when they <laughs> when they see me do a show live and they go oh my god i didn't know you sing like this and or they hear my cds because they didn't know my background so that's the i always get that why did you sing more on happy days and you know i have to go into this story it's a long story but hmm. uh, Anyway, that that's kind of uh, how that all came down. Interesting, and Matt, I'm you know New York. That's your home territory. So yeah, what do you think? <clears throat> yeah, I, I grew up in the Hudson Valley, which is not far from the Catskills, and you know. Oh yeah, the Hudson Valley. What t- what town? Poughkeepsie. Poughkeepsie. Yeah. Well, I I would get off if I took the train during the summers. I mentioned I spent my summers upstate. I'd get off at Peekskill oh, yeah. on the train, yeah, and then it would it would continue up to Poughkeepsie. Yep, still still goes there. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm now I'm in Pennsylvania, and I read that you had gone to Lehigh for engineering. Is that true? Yes. Yeah, yeah in Bethlehem, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Yeah, what happened, happened was you know when I was you know getting close to my senior year and all that. My parents, they, they saw how much I loved pursuing the, you know, performing and acting. Mm-hmm. And I started during that year, I was able through that acting class, I was, in, was able to get a manager and they set me out on auditions and I started getting work and a lot of, a lot of commercials. And, and so, 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 but they, you know, they didn't want, they, they really thought it was important that I go to college not put all my eggs sure. in you know this basket it was a pretty precarious profession yeah. to uh, pursue so so this was sort of the backup you know and i was always really strong in math and science my grandfather was an engineer my two uncles were an engineer hmm. my cousin was studying to be an engineer and so it just made sense that that would be you know a backup um, and lehigh being a big engineering school yeah yeah, but and I made it through the you know I, I mentioned I went out to California 
when I was 20, I turned 20 that summer. And that was right after my junior year. Mm-hmm. And I was only going to go out for the summer and then, and then, you know, make some contacts, make some headway mm-hmm. so that then a year later after graduation, I'd go out there and really pursue it. But as, as fate would have it, I started getting some, you know, auditions and landing some jobs that summer. And my, my manager convinced me uh, at the end of the summer, they said, you know, you've got some real momentum going and why don't you take six months off? You could always go back, but keep the momentum going. <laughs> so that's what I did. And so I didn't go back. And, but the six months became, you know, a yeah. lot longer. <laughs> I never, ever finished. Let's let's shift gears and talk about what you're doing these days. Yeah, well, as I mentioned before, I love playing all different kinds of characters. And it was a little tricky when I left the show after the seventh season because, you know, I wanted to branch out and do a lot of other things. But I was pretty, you know, associated. With sure. The show was so huge. It was so huge that I, you know, you get I passed back then much more readily. There was no Internet. There was no cables. Right. Only three networks. So, so it was tr- tricky, but I kept chipping away and I do something different and something, the next one even more different and, 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 and got to do some really interesting roles in, in independent films and some other TV, a lot of, t- you know, a lot of guest roles mm-hmm. and, and, and theater. But, but now as I'm getting older, uh, it's interesting. It's, it's opened it up even more for me. And in the last five years, I've probably done more films than I had in the previous, you know, 15 or 20. It was, I did like six, seven films in, in three or four years and, and playing zero and all of them very different roles. You know, I mean, literally going from playing a local pastor to the next project, I played polygamist. <laughs> and, then, and then absolutely actually that's what and then and then playing a career criminal and then playing a prison guard mm-hmm. and in in a story about based on a true story and 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 then then i did a, a western which was a very different thing and it's a film called far haven mm-hmm. which just came out on amazon crime and apple tv and voodoo and, and then, and then playing the owner of a minor league hockey team, and then playing a defense attorney defending the wounded vet, and and then m- most recently, a true story during prohibition in, in Michigan, and I played the head of a where there was different gangs uh, competing, vying for control of the mm-hmm. liquor during the, all the bootlegging, and I, it was a real gang called the Purple Gang. It was a Jewish mob, and I played the head of the Jewish mob. So I'm loving the, the fact of getting to, to really do, you know, what I've always loved to jump from one role to something very different, comedy, drama, different genres, etc. Mm-hmm. Are you still singing? or? Uh, yes. Yes, I am. Oh, and I should mention, so besides uh, Far Haven, that people could see on Amazon Prime, there's also a movie called County Line, No Fear, where that's also, I think, on Amazon Prime. And Lost Heart is another one that um, I think people might enjoy. Okay. Uh, the singing, yeah, I'm still singing. You know, I just actually did a, a show 
up in Canada a few weeks ago. I was I was doing a lot of live performing for like the last six, seven years. With COVID, it really slowed down, of sure. course. Yeah. And then I got very busy with these other films and I had to put it aside. So I'm hoping to pick it up in a bigger way soon. But I've done some recording. I did a CD called Demost, Mostly Swinging, mm -hmm. which came out about five years ago. I did it with a great, great big band, great big jazz band and, and, and uh, wonderful musicians. And it swings. I love that kind of sound. And then um, more recently, I did a CD called called New York High, mm -hmm. and that's a sing and there's a sing single of that same title from it, which which went pretty high on the charts in the UK. There's a big chart there called the Heritage Chart, and it got up to like number where did it get up to like 14 on the chart? No, wow. no eight. Awesome. I think it got up to, yeah, it got up to number eight. So. So that one was still a lot of the jazz standards, but a few other like, you know, 60 classic rock type music mm -hmm. mixed in there a little bit and not a big band, but a more contemporary jazz kind of configuration, you know, mm -hmm. five piece. So I'm real happy with the way it came out. And so, yeah, so that, that's, that's going on. And there's some talk about me uh, doing a tour and, Italy and and maybe Australia, so we'll see if that uh, comes to fruition. Right. So and, and I did my first symphony. It was about a year and a half ago now in Hershey, Hershey, Pennsylvania, with the Hershey. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that was that was a trip. I love that. I'm hoping to do more of that. Cool. So it is the New York High. Is that the one that has the song? each of the decades um the song that i show the decades yes did you have i had a note that that you had included like a lot of different decades in the song choices oh oh the song choices i don't know that there was a conscious effort i mean it was just as mainly picking out songs mostly like i said jazz standards and and I, I ran through a lot of different choices with my producer Tony Mantor, and you know I know I know the the library of the Great American Songbook really well, so most of them we just talked about and 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 then when if we agreed on a song it made the cut. In this case, New York High was one original song on on the CD. It was a brand new song, and. and I, could ironically written by a Brit, written by Mike Reed, who was a famous DJ in in the UK, and and um and he he said he has TV shows and and radio shows, and he wrote with a, uh, his partner Max Rostano this song, and a friend of mine sent it to me, who was a mutual friend, and really it really caught my attention in a big way, and. And my producer liked it a lot too, so we decided to do it. And then it wound up becoming the the title of the album and and a single that we released in the UK. And you know, so here, I don't know what the plans are. You know, his strategy of releasing songs, I don't understand how that works these days. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we'll see how it does. We'll see how it does here. But 
I've been getting great response to that song and the whole CD. Yeah, well, I'm very curious about when you mentioned classic rock. What song yeah. did you include? Or uh, yeah, rock so, song? yeah, and that was a tough choice because see, because I also you know I was when I was in college, the late '60s and early '70s, and then I was in college. I loved the music that was going on then. It was a renaissance going on in music. But it wasn't a music that I was thinking of performing, but I loved it. So to picking, so picking something out that would go, that would sort of blend with what we were doing was a little tricky. But we wound up through a process. I don't know how we got did it. There was a song called that I was loved back in the early seventies, and it was almost had a swing feel. It was a rock band called the Sanford Townsend Band, and it had a it was a rock kind of, but they had. This song had a swing feel. It was called Smoke from a Distant Fire. So I ran it by my producer, and he really liked it. And, and he said, what if we, but we said, how should we do it? And he said, well, what if we, he, he had heard it done once, very bluesy, kind of slow and bluesy. And we started playing around with it. We liked it. So so we did that. And then I, one day I was, I can't remember where I was, but Smokey Robinson's song, Ooh Baby Baby, came on. And... I was, going, I was listening to it going, oh, wow, this might be interesting to, to do. And I, you know, Tony agreed. And so we did that, Ooh, Baby, Baby. And we recorded Ain't No Sunshine, but we're holding it back. I'll save it for maybe another CD. And maybe I'll do some more on, that, on the next CDs, do some more of the stuff from the, you know, classic rock era. Right. Do you have any inspirations to write music? You know, not there's not like that burning desire to do that, but I am a little intrigued with the idea of doing it with somebody else. I don't think I could could write a song by myself. I just don't have that whatever that, you know that combination of right. of talent and genes and all that. I I think if I was working with somebody else and and. They got sort of it started, and then maybe then I'd get to pick up on something, or it would, it would stir something in me, and then I maybe take it to you know the next section, and and you know we bounce off of each other. I, I'd like to try that at some point, and I, I don't know you know <laughs> I don't know when, but uh, that that's been intriguing me a little bit that prospect. Well, uh, you know. Time has flown by. It seems like we just said hello, and you know now it's like your thirty minutes are gone <laughs> by. But I, I really hope that you'll you'll come back and be a guest again, and you know update us and some yeah. stories that you've told us today. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, definitely, I I would definitely be up for coming back. You know, may, like you said, maybe to update and bring bring you up to as to where what the next projects are all about and where, how the music is going um, as well so um yes let's let's stay in touch and uh thank you very much for having me don thank yeah. you so much for coming by we really appreciate it oh my, my pleasure you, you killed him for you. <laughs> <laughs> Even with, with Pat and Matt, I still got it. <laughs> <laughs> we need to 
teachers mad that say that. That's you know? right, yeah. Alright, <laughs> <laughs> well, be good and stay well. Alright, you too. Yeah. Take care of yourself. Okay. Thank you so much. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to Cat at iWritePlays at Outlook.com, or you can write to me at BackstorySessions at gmail.com, or Matt at Level11Ventures.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.